Good morning, Mercy Vineyard. It is Easter Sunday, and uh, I thought I would bring you back outside again this time. Uh, well, I'm not quite as far from my house. I'm not down at the beach. I am right here in the backyard. And uh, it's a beautiful place just to sit, to listen to the birds singing, to enjoy the sun shining, the sky being blue, and uh, it's just a beautiful day, and I'm glad that I get to share it with you. Uh, before we get started, uh, let's go ahead and say our mission statement together. Uh, at Mercy Vineyard, we are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. We are loving Jesus and loving each other, and we're growing in Christ. I hope you are growing during this time, and we are going. We are serving others. We're serving each other. We're finding ways, even in, uh, in, at a social distance. We're finding ways to serve each other, to love each other. And so uh, I just want to say, is, uh, He is risen. And when I say He is risen you say, He is risen indeed, right? So He is risen. Go ahead and type it in. Type it in. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter. And that's what we are celebrating. We're celebrating that Jesus is resurrected. He's alive. He's alive today. And uh, He is alive and well and loving. And so I love it. And so this morning what we're doing is we are concluding our three-part series the Jesus I Never Knew. And hopefully you're learning lots. And maybe some of you guys are reading the book by Philip Yancey as we go along. And uh, I hope so. It's an excellent book. But um, we started off talking about some of Jesus' attributes found in the gospel. Remember, we talked about how he's humble, how Jesus is approachable, how uh, Jesus is courageous, right? The revolutionary. And... Uh, he is for the underdog. And so we also talked about how Jesus is compassionate, how he's our lover, he's our friend, he's walked where we walk, and uh, how he builds people up, he calls us to be his friends. And so this morning I want to talk more about Jesus' friendship. Because, uh, listen, I mean, after following Jesus since 1982, I believe it was, uh, I can tell you honestly he has been my best friend, my best friend. And so when we're children, we hear about Jesus becoming our forever friend, right? And this idea of Jesus becoming our forever friend really excites us. And um, it sparks our imagination. And we picture Jesus kind of playing catch with us, right, as little kids. Uh, or, or Jesus settling down to read with us. We see these pictures of you know, Jesus uh, uh, with the children all around him. You know, these storybook pictures and, and, and telling stories to the children. Uh, and when we're older, we think about Jesus' friendship. And it's about um, his comfort, right? It's about his comfort, his guidance, um, his healing. And uh, whatever you imagine when it comes to Jesus' friendship and uh, my suspicion is that Jesus' intention for friendship is far greater than we could ever imagine. And think about that. You know, we, we imagine Jesus as our friend, but I believe that his intention is greater than we can imagine. And so it's his death and his resurrection that makes 
friendship possible for all of us. And we could probably all think of friendships that we have paid a price for. Maybe it's a price of our time or a price of our uh, resources. You know, friendships that have cost us a little. Um, but Jesus' friendship with us cost him everything. And he willingly paid it. And so what does scripture have to say about friendship with Jesus? We're going to talk about that. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would cause it to come alive in us today. We ask that you would draw us into deeper friendship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start off. We're going to take a look at John chapter 15. And this is verses 12 through 16. And uh, here it says, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love... Than, uh, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Well, let's just read that part again. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And friendship with Jesus um, costs us our obedience. Well, let's keep going. It says, I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Oh, so powerful. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And so if you remember one thing this morning, if there's something that you will take away, I want you to please remember this. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. You were chosen. You were picked. And... Uh, we seem to get it in our thinking that Jesus chooses those who have it all together. Right? Jesus, cho Jesus chose the guy who's, you know, better at his marriage. Jesus chose the guy who was uh, walking uprightly. No, Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. Uh, Jesus doesn't just choose the, the quarterback, the missionary, the wealthy, the healthy, but he chooses you. He chooses all of us. And we forget that Jesus had a reputation, and we talked about in the first part, uh, that Jesus had a reputation for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I don't think Jesus would choose me because I'm not living just right. You're wrong. Jesus cho chooses the sinners. Tax collectors in the Bible, also known as publicans, were thought of basically as the scum of the earth during Jesus' time. The Jews did not like the tax collectors. Uh, you know, charities wouldn't even take a tax collector's money because it was gained so dishonestly. And, but Jesus hung out with tax collectors. And, uh, and he, he loved people across the board. And, and so there is no one too low. There's no one too sinful. There's no one too far gone for Jesus. Uh, I have to tell you, honestly, I'm relieved. I'm totally relieved by that. And he chooses you and he chooses me. And so the next thing is, is that Jesus chooses people who aren't the same as you. And probably don't like you. <laughs> Jesus chooses people who aren't like you and probably don't like you. You know, we tend to be a bit... Uh, selfish with our Jesus, you know. We know that Jesus loves us, but there's no way he could love that person on the other side of the political aisle. 
There's no way he could love that person who committed the unpardonable sin. There's no way Jesus could love the, the, uh, the child molester. There's no way that Jesus could love the abortion doctor. There's no way that Jesus... But you know what? He does. He does. We need to understand that. And here's the thing. This isn't in my notes, but I want you to understand this. Not only does Jesus love these people, he calls you to love them too. He causes you to love them too. And he calls, he calls me and he calls you to love them as well. And so Jesus had no qualms about hanging out with people that you and I would consider unlikable. Uh, in, in Jesus' time, it was unthinkable for a rabbi to just sit and talk with children. And Jesus hung out with children. Jesus was a friend of women. Think about that. And during that time, during Jesus' day, Jesus was, would, would hang out and talk with women. Women of ill repute. Even that, right? And so sometimes I know that women take it really hard. They take their sin really hard. Especially like if a woman has been involved in sexual sin, they take it really hard. And sometimes they, 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 um, they wear that. Almost like, remember the old book, The, the Scarlet Letter, right? And... Uh, and, and women will kind of wear that sexual sin and, and see that as a disqualification uh, for love and God's love and God's forgiveness. And I tell you, if you're a woman today and you have fallen into sexual sin and you have worn that scarlet letter, can I just tell you, Jesus loves you. He would sit and hang out with you. He accepts you just as you are. Okay? So Jewish men used to pray because uh, of the status of women in that time, Jewish men used to pray, Blessed art thou, O Lord, who has not made me a woman. <laughs> so, aren't you glad that, that uh, uh, Jewish men, as far as I know, aren't praying that today? <laughs> so, uh, in fact, Jesus even taught some women as disciples, um, and he even accepted an anointing from a prostitute and saved the life of a woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus is pretty awesome. I hope you're getting that through this series. So the other thing that Jesus did is he socialized with Samaritans. Samaritans stayed away from Jews, and Jews despised the Samaritans. There was a, a long-standing bad blood. In fact, Samaritans were known as sort of half-bloods because they came from Jews who married and had children with their Assyrian enemies. And so uh, Jews stayed away from uh, Samaritans, but Jesus hung out with them. He hung out with them. And there was great animosity between Jesus' people and Samaritans, but Jesus didn't let that stop him from loving and caring for him. I just love the, uh, the non-discriminate nature of Jesus' love. I love it. Uh, so the next thing is this, is that Jesus chooses people who make others feel uncomfortable. Think about that for a moment. Now, I'm going to be just uh, real honest with you. When I was a teenager, um, I wasn't always good with people who made me feel uncomfortable. There was a, there was a man at our church, I remember, who uh, uh, had uh, a developmental disability, and he would come up and talk to me at the foyer, in the foyer before or after church. A lot of times what I would do is because I just felt uncomfortable, I would um, I would try to direct his conversation towards somebody else, and then and then sneak out. You know, I, I was I, I didn't I wasn't good. I didn't always feel comfortable uh, around uh, this particular guy, and uh, 
when I realized that the non-discriminate nature of Jesus uh, and, and how wrong I was for kind of, you know, trying to, you know, scooch out of conversations with this guy because I felt uncomfortable. But Jesus hangs out with people uh, who make uh, you feel uncomfortable. He, Jesus touched the sick. He, uh, he healed the deformed. There was a woman who hemorrhaged. She just bled continually. And uh, by law, she shouldn't even, by Jewish law, she shouldn't, shouldn't have even been near Jesus. And she lived in total humiliation. And uh, Jesus touched her and healed her, right? And so he brought peace to a lunatic. Um, he brought freedom to the demonically oppressed and possessed. And it's like, uh, it's almost like Jesus, he saw these people and he just kind of made a beeline for them. You know, the people that, uh, that other people sort of like shied away from, like the way I shied away from the guy at church when I was growing up, uh, those people, Jesus went, Psh, I got to talk to that guy. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. And I hope that challenges you. I hope that challenges the way that you love others and the way that you see others. And so he had compassion that completely eclipsed any regard for social standing and status. That was like the last thing on Jesus' mind. In fact, it almost seemed like he, you know, if it, if, if it brought, you know, social standing and status, he just would do the opposite. <laughs> and I love that about Jesus. And so that leads me to the last uh, category. And that's that Jesus chooses people who have been thrown away by the rest of the world. And so if the rest of the world kind of, kind of wrote someone off, those were the type of people that Jesus wanted to be with. And in Jesus' day, people with leprosy, they were completely shunned. Um, they weren't even allowed to enter the city. A person with leprosy wasn't even allowed to enter the city. And uh, leprosy, in case you're not quite sure what it is, uh, it's a disease of the nervous system, and it causes uh, the sufferers to become deformed. So uh, not only would their nose cave in and their teeth fall out, but um, their fingers would fall off. And so imagine just, sometimes even entire limbs, uh, imagine just suffering through that. And so you're literally just suffering through the the worst disease in existence, and on top of all that, your family and your friends and the people closest to you would reject you, and they would say that that is happening to you as a punishment for your sins. So we're talking about the worst, the worst uh, physical condition, the worst mental anguish, the, the worst emotional just rejection, uh, it was a slow, painful death, and it was accompanied by the worst shame and rejection imaginable. What did Jesus do? Right? He ignored the, st the stigma. In fact, Jesus would share meals with lepers. He would hang out with them. And uh, so now, you know what? He's the same Jesus. He's the same Jesus. And he has the same disregard for what the rest of the world thinks of you, what the rest of the world thinks of me, in fact, Jesus even disregards what you think of you. And uh, he loves you so much that he laid down his life to be your friend. And you know, I think a lot of us sometimes we feel, obviously it's not the same, it's not even close, but we kind of feel like the leopard. We feel rejected. We feel like we're on the outside. We feel 
irreparable. We feel damaged. We feel uh, tainted or stained. But you know what? Jesus still reaches out for us. He still makes a beeline for us. I love that about Jesus. And he uh, died and he rose again. It's Easter time, man. He died and he rose again to be able to bridge that gap, to reach out to you, to be your friend, to be your forever friend, as we tell the kids. And so this morning, I just want to take a minute just to reflect on Jesus' immeasurable love. Did Jesus radical friendship, radical, radical friendship towards you. And uh, I just, you know, I want you to do something. I want you just to accept that friendship. That's it. If I, if I can get you to do one thing today, it's just accept that friendship. Accept it. Accept it. He likes you. He doesn't just love you and tolerate you because, you know, the whole cross and resurrection thing. But he likes you. He wants to be friends with you. And so he chose you. And so don't argue with it, please. Don't argue with that. Don't argue with it. Don't yeah, but that, right? Don't rehearse all the reasons why uh, he shouldn't. Just hold out your hands and say thank you. Even this morning, I know that, you know, maybe you're at home and it may feel kind of awkward and, and uh, maybe, you know, you're surrounded by your kids or you're still in your pajamas. I don't care. Just hold out your hands and say thank you. Thank you. I receive that. I receive it, Jesus. I receive your friendship. And so, uh, as we close this morning, uh, I just want us to express our gratitude towards Jesus. Express our gratitude towards Jesus. He's our most incredible friend. See, he, he, thank him for the price that he paid. Instead of arguing with him as to why he shouldn't have, <laughs> instead thank him for the price that he paid and celebrate his resurrection. Celebrate his resurrection. And so we're going to close this morning. And I just want to say a, a prayer of thanks. But uh, when we're done, we'll have uh, one more song. And, uh, you know, just, just, just get up on your feet in your living room or by your computer or on your phone or whatever and just worship him and just thank him. Because, uh, you know what, we can worship him even if we are worshiping together uh, virtually. You, know, you can still worship just because we're not, you know, together in the, you know, the West Hall in the building. Doesn't mean that we can't all worship together. Doesn't mean that we can't all at the same time get up in our offices or living rooms or wherever and just stand and worship him. And so let's just pray real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll do that. Dear Jesus, I just want to thank you for your radical friendship. I thank you for your... Uh, persistent, tenacious commitment to us um, and to being our friends. And God, you make a beeline towards us uh, to be our friend and, and you also make a beeline to those we don't agree with or don't even like or don't like us. God, that's one thing we all have in common is that you just love us so dearly and that you saw us as worthy of laying down your life. Uh, to be your friend, to restore that connection. So we love you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for your resurrection. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, let's worship together, and we'll see you all soon.